Morning all. We start today with section six. So the first thing we want to know is what's happening to Joseph and Emma at this point. Well, they're struggling. They're struggling to meet their temporal needs. You know, food, shelter, clothing. This means very little progress was happening with translating the plates. And they were living on Emma's father's land. And you know, he didn't like Joseph very much. So in Joseph's words, he was afraid that he was, quote, about to turn him out of doors, unquote. This young prophet had a lot on his mind. So Joseph, quote, cried unto the Lord that he would provide for me to accomplish the work whereunto he had commanded me. That prayer was answered with a full-time scribe. Enter Oliver Cowdery. So what do we know about him? Well, he's a yellow card, meaning that at one point he left the church, but came back. He's mentioned in sections 6 through 9, 13, 17 through 18, 20, 21, 67, 68, 70, 82, 102, 104, and 124. That's a lot of mentions in a book of scriptures. At the time, he came to help Joseph. He was a teacher. Later, he practiced law as a lawyer. He was one of the three witnesses of the Book of Mormon, and he acted as scribe, writing what Joseph would say as he translated the plates. He was the first to be baptized in this last dispensation. He received the Aaronic priesthood from John the Baptist and the Melchizedek priesthood from Peter, James, and John. He saw the Savior, Moses, Elias, and Elijah in the Kirtland Temple. Oliver saw the plates in vision and was told of the translation Joseph had begun. He set out for Pennsylvania through the spring muck and mud and began his scribe duties on the second day after arriving. Oliver desired to know more, and the prophet Joseph inquired of the Lord, and the revelation recorded as Doctrine and Covenant 6 was the result. Now, some standouts to me from section six. Um, One is he's told to keep the commandments and seek to bring forth and establish the cause of Zion. In verse seven, he's told, seek not for riches, but for wisdom. Um, He's also told, I think it's in verse 10, Behold, thou hast a gift, and blessed art thou because of thy gift. Remember it is sacred, and cometh from above. In verse 14, Blessed art thou for what thou hast done, for thou hast inquired of me. And behold, as often as thou hast inquired, thou hast received instruction of my spirit. Uh, He was told, Therefore be diligent. Stand by my servant Joseph faithfully in whatsoever difficult circumstances he may be in for the world's word's sake. Verse 22, if you desire a further witness, cast your mind upon the night when you cried unto me in your heart that you might know concerning the truth of these things. Did I not speak peace to your mind concerning the matter? What greater witness can you have than from God? And, you know, it's interesting because that surprised him a little bit. No one knew, except himself, that he had had long um, pleading prayers and had 
received that answer of peace in his mind and knew that he had received an answer. So to hear this revelation through the prophet Joseph Smith say, do you you remember that night? Do you remember when I spoke peace to you? Well, you know, it's, it's sad, but over time, pride caused him to leave the church over disputes on counsel and on the handling of his land in Jackson County. So he got caught up in seeking for riches, which he was counseled here not to do, and he didn't stand by Joseph faithfully and diligently, no matter what. But as I said, he did come back to the church. So section seven, as Joseph was translating and Oliver was writing things down, what he said, they began discussing John 21, 20 through 23, which says, then Peter turning about, seeing the disciple who Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? And Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? And Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then, when this saying went abroad among the brethren, that the disciples should not die, yet Jesus said unto him, He shall not die. But if I will that he will tarry till I come, what is that to thee? So they were confused. What does this mean? What did it, was John still alive? What does this mean? And they couldn't agree. They talked it over between them, Joseph and Oliver, and they couldn't agree on what it meant. So they inquired of the Lord and saw a parchment written by John and section seven is a translated version of that record. It not only satisfied Oliver and Joseph's curiosity, but also restored more knowledge. It restores to the Bible record the truths that Jesus gave keys of salvation to Peter, James, and John. And the interesting standout of this section is that if studied carefully, we see the Savior isn't saying to John, you desired something better than Peter, or to Peter, your desire isn't as good as John's. Listen. Verse 1, And the Lord said unto me, John, my beloved, what desirest thou? For if thou shalt ask what you will, it shall be granted unto you. And I said unto him, that's John speaking, Lord, give unto me power over death, that I may live and bring souls unto thee. And the Lord said unto me, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, because thou desirest this, thou shalt tarry until I come in my glory and shall prophesy before nations, kindreds, tongues, and people. And for this cause the Lord said unto Peter, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? For he desireth of me that he might bring souls unto me. But thou desirest that thou mightest speedily come unto me in my kingdom. I say unto thee, Peter, this is a good desire. But my beloved has desired that he might do more or a greater work yet among men than he has done before. Did you catch that? He's not saying, but my disciple wants to do more than Peter. He wants to do more than he has already done. 
more than he has done before. Yea, he has undertaken a great work. Therefore, I will make him as a flaming fire and a ministering angel, and he shall minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation who dwell on the earth. So John didn't feel that his work was done, and he wanted to stay and finish it. Peter desired to come to the Savior in his kingdom, a good and righteous desire. John had a different desire. It wasn't John versus Peter. It was John versus John. Section 8. Oliver was taken by the marvelous gift of translation, and he wanted to try. He asked Joseph if he could try to translate, and Joseph asked the Lord. In response to that, the Lord gave Section 8 a revelation to to Oliver. The revelation does not discourage Oliver in his desire, but teaches him how to use the gift of revelation correctly. So the standout was in verse 4. Therefore, this is thy gift, apply unto it, and blessed art thou. So gifts are interesting things. If I were to give you a gift all wrapped up with a bow on it and you never opened it, how would that affect the gift? Well, it's your gift, but do you enjoy it? Do you use it with others so that they can enjoy it? The only way a gift is useful and blesses you and others is if you, quote unquote, apply unto it, actually use it. We all have gifts and talents. Do we let them sit, or do we develop them and apply unto it? In section 9, Oliver was not successful in translating and wanted to know why. Section 9 explained to him why he had no success. Section 9 helps Oliver learn the process of revelation. Revelation isn't simply asking. It is involved with elements of thought and prayer, study and time. Revelation is a product of wrestling with it for a while, personal experience, applying principles and thoughts, repeating that process again and again. Elder Bednar taught some important principles regarding personal revelation. And since President Nelson has asked us to explore the ways we hear him, I'm gonna share Elder Bednar's thoughts. He has five principles that he teaches. Number one, revelation frequently comes in small increments over time and is granted according to desire, worthiness, and preparation. Such communications from God gradually and gently distill upon our souls as the dews from heaven. He's quoting Doctrine and Covenants 121 verse 45. And then he says, this pattern of revelation tends to be more common than rare. The lesson, we do not have to recognize in the moment that we are receiving revelation, that we are, Elder Bednar said, simply be good. Remember and honor your ordinances and covenants. Just go and do your best. You'll be guided and blessed and become an instrument in the hands of the Lord to accomplish his purpose. Second, revelation, repetition as a pattern for receiving revelation. During the night of September 21st, 1823, the angel Moroni visited Joseph Smith three times and conveyed eternally important messages to him. 
said Elder Bednar. Moroni also returned a fourth time in the next morning, and in describing this series of events, many of us commonly state that Moroni appeared to Joseph and delivered the identical message four times. That statement is accurate, but it is incomplete. Indeed, the same core message was presented on all four occasions. But in visitations two, three, and four, additional information and instruction were given to Joseph, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. All of the messages were the same, and all the messages were different in a pattern of repetitious revelation and learning, he said. Elder Bednar said a hallmark characteristic in the ministries of the church leaders is repetitious teaching. Members should more fully appreciate the value of repetition as a means of facilitating revelation, he said. The lesson, repetition can invite revelation if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Number three, revelation as a conclusion and not an explanation. Typically, revelation comes as a conclusion and not an explanation. Taught Elder Bednar, we should not be surprised, for example, if impressions or promptings simply guide us to stop, to go, to open our mouths, to remain silent, to slow down, to press forward more rapidly, or to consider an option or course of action that may seem unusual. Four, revelation, he said, focuses upon what more than why. The lesson, the Lord often requires we initially go and do without knowing why. Revelation as a conclusion about timing. Often revelatory help help may focus not upon what to do, but but when to do, said Elder Bednar. The lesson discerning by the power of the Holy Ghost when someone should be done can be just as important or more important than knowing what should be done. And fifth, the importance of keeping spiritual confidences. Quoting the late President Boyd K. Packer, Elder Bednar counseled mission presidents and their companions not to speak lightly about sacred things. President Packer said, I've come to believe also It's not wise to continually talk of unusual spiritual experiences. They are to be guarded with care and shared only when the Spirit itself prompts you to use them to the blessing of others. Elder Bednar called the spiritual gift of revelation a great blessing. As we righteously exercise and honor the sacred gift, we demonstrate to God our increasing trustworthiness and our desire to always use such gifts to bless and serve other people. So the lesson, we should not expect to receive additional (laughs) revelation if we do not treat appropriately the revelations we already have received. So the challenge question, what did you (laughs) learn about Oliver Cowdery? (laughs) that you didn't know. Have a great week, everybody.